You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Welcome to this special episode of the Disease Du Jour podcast that gives you an AAEP convention wrap-up with the Merck Animal Health Equine Professional Services team. I'm your host, Kim Brown, Editor of Equimanagement, along with my co-host, Carly Sisson, Digital Content Manager of Equimanagement. The Disease Du Jour podcast is brought to you in 2023 by Merck Animal Health. The Merck Veterinary team joining us today includes Dr. Bryant Craig, Dwayne Chapel, Christy Schneider, Kara Wright, and Philip Van Hereveld. And we want to thank all of you for joining us today to review the presentations, meetings, and events that you found were important at the 2023 AEP Convention in San Diego, California. We remind our listeners that many of the presentations from the AEP Convention are available either on demand or in the case of table topics were repeated live and are recorded by the AEP after the convention. You can still sign up to hear the on-demand portion of the AP convention and listen to the recorded post-convention table topics. And we'll make sure and include links to do that in the article that accompanies this podcast on equimanagement.com. So we're going to jump right in. So Dr. Craig, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and the items you found inspiring at the convention? You bet. Thanks, Kim, for having us. I always enjoy doing this episode after we get home from AEP, and I'm coming to you live from my home in Oklahoma, where I uh, practiced equine medicine before joining Merck Animal Health. So, give you a little bit about what went on in my convention week. You know, one thing I mentioned in the in the pre meeting show was the exhibit hall, and I don't want to leave that out. That's always an important spot and and a fun time and and learning time for me and our team and um, get to interact with a lot of customers and vendors. And so that that's always a hot spot. And it and once again was this year. The other thing uh, that I really wanted to make a point of emphasis on outside of the learning was Vet Story Night. So we once again had a very successful night raising money for the foundation for the horse and. Um, we're able to announce over a million dollars in gifts to the Foundation for the Horse. Thanks mostly in part wow. to Bob and Tony Mallet, um, who made a, a giant donation of one million dollars. And then um, with the sponsors and, and some of the ticket sales, we we bumped that up to over one point one five million. So um Big, big night for the Foundation for the Horse and um, also very entertaining evening. So if you haven't made it to Vet Story Night before, I would highly encourage next year to to try to get in and get you a ticket. Um, we've got some absolutely fabulous storytellers out there in the profession and, and this year ranked up there as one of the top ones. So mark that on your calendar for 2024 AEP. Getting into, you know, an academic side of it, Dr. McHugh's state-of-the-art lecture was was really, really well done, accumulating his vast career in equine theriogenology and, um, you know, just took you through a, a great journey and lots and lots of good information from new practitioners to horse owners to the veteran equine practitioner who's spent a lot of time standing behind those stocks. So I, I found that very educational and entertaining as well. And then lastly, I'll just wrap it up with the the president's luncheon, which, um, you know, we get to honor some of the great people in our profession. And our good friend, Kenton Morgan, was honored 
this year and it was great to see him get a, a lifetime achievement award and really enjoyed seeing the smile on his face and and the story so um another event that that if you get a chance and and can attend the president's luncheon is worth your time and money well those are great takeaways i also sat in on the McHugh lecture and i found that very fascinating i'd really recommend everyone going back and re-watching that one so moving over next to Dr. Chapel, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and what you took away from the convention this year? I'd be happy to. Thanks, Kim and Carly, for that uh, introduction. Uh, as many of you know, I'm a Purdue University graduate, and so uh, alumni night was a lot of fun to be able to spend some time just uh, reconnecting with some of our past alumnus that we don't get to see, but it, typically at this meeting. I currently reside outside of Lexington, Kentucky, and have joined this team since 2014. So I've had the opportunity to to view this meeting from, if you will, the other side of the fence uh, prior to many years of practice prior to that. And once again, uh, this meeting by no means was a disappointment, but continues to be a great opportunity to reconnect and build new friendships um, that so often occur in that exhibit hall and outside those uh, meeting rooms that become a great value down the road uh, in different networking professional relationships. Once again, as I'd emphasized in the pre-call, uh, attending committee meetings has been a highlight for me, and I was reminded of the importance that committees serve with AAUP and, and how uh, the volunteers that uh, are typically far more uh, greater number than what we have positions to be filled. And I listened once again to the member engagement committee of how they continue to try to come up with new ways to find continued new opportunities for our membership to engage and be a part of this uh, wonderful organization. The other thing about committee meetings that I, I want to throw out that people may not realize, but most of these committee meetings are open sessions where all members have the opportunity to attend. In some cases, there may be a, a few pieces of business that that committee needs to uh, complete with a closed door session, but so often these committees are open door, and I just encourage you to add that to your list of things to do in the coming years. The Foundation Scholarship Awards, once again, were not a disappointment. As a matter of fact, uh, it was a, the largest amount of money awarded by the foundation to student scholarships to date. And this year's total, if my numbers are correct, was $530,000 were awarded this year. Four of those came from very large uh, student scholarships sponsored by the Coyote Rock Ranch organization and also the Ellen DeBella Memorial Scholarship Fund also had a very large student scholarship amount awarded, but we also had sponsorships that continued and have been ones that have carried this particular activity for years from Zoetis, from Merck Animal Health, from the Oakwood Foundation, as well as some new entries from the Haggard Equine Medical Institute Scholarship Fund and then Richard and the Ann Sterling Foundation Scholarship Fund. So, that continues to grow, and we continue to challenge our equine industry to uh, step up and help these students uh, get their education so we can continue to build more and more practitioners in this field. The uh, Many of the sessions that were going on uh, oftentimes would conflict with one another, and so this year 
uh, we had the opportunity to learn that many of the sessions are going to be recorded and we can go back and listen to them later. I had the opportunity to to step in on the medicine session and listen to Dr. Pasterla uh, present on a couple of herpes topics that were very well done, as well as one of his graduate students presented some uh, information from our biosurveillance program on strep equine. And I would point you to go back and listen to those as well. And then finally, Avenue's internship and externship night continues to be a real highlight for the students. And it's just a great way for students to connect with practices and practices to connect with students. And I would continue to encourage um, both of those parties to use that uh, opportunity as a great face-to-face -face opportunity to have some time just to spend with one another and kindle some new friendships and hopefully kindle some new uh, participation in their practice. Well, I've, I've got to second, Dr. Chappell, what you say. I, my AEP is not complete unless I attend the Infectious Diseases Committee and just kind of find out what is really going on out there and what's coming up and what, you know, papers are going to be updated. I mean, it's it's so enlightening to be able Absolutely. to do that. So thanks for thanks for pointing out those committees. So those are and they are available to all members. Just step right in. And if they have some business they have to conduct, then they will excuse you at the end and out you go. Today's Disease Du Jour podcast is brought to you by Merck Animal Health, the maker of prestige vaccines, Banamine, Panicure, Regimate, Protozil, and other trusted equine health solutions. Merck Animal Health works for you and for horses. Learn more about Merck Animal Health's comprehensive portfolio of products, as well as their unconditional investment in our industry, profession, and community through programs such as the Respiratory Biosurveillance Program and a partnership with Equitrace, which delivers secure, streamlined record-keeping and instantaneous temperature measurement when coupled with Merck Animal Health Biothermal Microchips. Visit MerckAnimalHealthUSA.com for more information. Okay, Dr. Schneider, tell us a little about yourself and what did you find inspiring or enlightening at the convention this year? Hi, Kim and Carly. Um, I second everybody. Thank you for having us. This is always fun to kind of reflect back on an AEP that sometimes can be, a, okay, all the time is a whirlwind <laughs> uh, of activity and, and things. So I live in Columbus, Ohio, uh, where I practiced uh, before joining this team. I uh, was hired by Merck in July of 2020. So it's been a great three and a half years. Really enjoy uh, getting to travel around the country and meet with equine veterinarians from kind of all corners of, of the U.S., which is really fun. Uh, so my AEP, I already alluded to, is a whirlwind. I think everyone would probably agree there's always so much going on, which is great. Um, and a time to catch up with people from, you know, various parts of, of my career, which is fun too. We kicked off, our team kicked off our um, AAEP, at least after committee meetings, which I agree, this is the first year I attended committee meetings and I will definitely do so again. So also agree, everyone should check those out if you can. Um, but the first day of sessions, uh, we had our uh, Merck Animal Health sponsored sunrise session. And this was a panel discussion with um, four practitioners uh, that was moderated by our own Dr. Cara Wright. And those practitioners that were on the board, thank you to them, or on the panel, I should say, thank you to them. It was Drs. Shane Baird, Michael Clark, Stacey Cordovano, and Wendy Krebs. 
And this was a really popular session, despite the really early hour that it was, started <laughs> at 6.30 in the morning. And it brought really a diverse group of equine practitioners together to discuss the ways that they have cultivated sustainability in their practices. Um, the take-home points for me from this session were that creativity, communication, a team approach, even if you're a solo practitioner, and boundaries that work for you are kind of the key ingredients that the panelists said kind of helps make equine practice work for them. There was a lot of discussion at this convention about sustainability uh, from lots of different angles, and the keynote kind of fit really well with that. Uh, it was presented by uh, Cassandra Worthy, and it was entitled Master the Chemistry of Change, Uncover Your Inner Change Enthusiasm. Her presentation was definitely entertaining. And of course, the topic was timely um, as there's so many changes happening in the equine veterinary industry. She really encouraged us to notice the feelings that we have in a challenging situation, which she terms the signal. Uh, so those feelings are a signal for us. Um, and then look for the opportunity in each of these situations by getting curious and engaging in dialogue with each other, which I wholeheartedly agree with. I think the only way to um, kind of move forward and 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 get equine, the equine veterinary industry to a better, you know, more sustainable, healthier place is by talking with each other. And then she says, at that point, we can uh, make the choice to reframe our experience based on that information we learn from talking with each other. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure that's recorded. So if you missed that, I would highly recommend you go back and, and watch that one. And then again, sustainability um, had a whole afternoon uh, that uh, Merck Animal Health sponsored that was entitled I Am Change, uh, Transforming Your Equine Practice with Innovative Solutions. And I was really happy to see that there were a lot of opportunities for AAEP members to get information regarding the things that the five subcommittees of the AAEP Commission on Equine Veterinary Sustainability have been working on. There were member roundtables in addition to this IM Change afternoon session where the members of each subcommittee presented information and resources to attendees. The presented resources are all available on the AAEP website. And that's they're public, so you don't have to sign in or log in. You can access those. And those resources that were presented at the convention this year include three different kind of packets, one from the Practice Culture Subcommittee entitled Building a Thriving Equine Veterinary Practice, a Culture Transformation Toolkit. And uh, I'm biased. I'm on that subcommittee. So um, I had, you know, a hand in making this. And I think there's lots of really good tools in there uh, to check out that you can put in practice at your practice immediately. From the internship subcommittee, they um, presented their best practices for AAEP internship program practices. And then the emergency coverage subcommittee that Dr. Cara Wright is a member of, they presented emergency coverage 2.0, innovative strategies to revolutionize after hours care. So all of those plus so much more uh, is available on the website. Um, if you go to the AEP website, you can just type in the search bar sustainability and all of these things uh, will come up. And then as far as scientific sessions, I had the opportunity to attend a table topic that was covering field neurology, and it was presented or kind of moderated by Drs. Monica Alleman and Bill Gilsenin. This 
was a really popular session. It was standing room only. So obviously a topic with a lot of interest um, in the membership probably just tells us, you know, how much information people want from this because it can be confusing and difficult to diagnose in the field. So they talked about CVSM or wobblers. There was a lot of discussion about EDM, equine degenerative myeloencephalopathy, and then ENAD, which is closely related to that. Uh, and then there was a bit about EPM as well. And then I wasn't able to make it to the burst ambulatory practice sessions. This was that new format, that five-minute presentations about a wide variety of topics. Um, I didn't make it in person because there's so much to see, so much um, to do. But I am really looking forward to watching the recording of these sessions and also some other sessions I couldn't make it to. Well, thank you, Dr. Schneider. I think it was great to see sustainability become such a focus at the convention this year. And it was really great to hear about all the progress that the Sustainability Commission's made. I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do next year as they continue to go out in the world and enact change. Now moving along to Dr. Van Herveld, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and what you took away from the convention? Yeah, of course. Hey, thanks, Carly. Thanks, Kimberly, uh, for hosting this session again with us today. I joined the Merck uh, professional services team, uh, veterinary team, about a year ago, or last year, I should say, and uh, that followed me being in equine practice for about 22 years. So again, for the 2023 AEP, in addition to getting to see so many of our great friends and colleagues from across the country, you know, some of the things that I enjoyed included the opening session updates. I always think it's neat to get everybody into one room and hear what they have to say. And then highlighting that starting salaries for equine veterinarians are going up. And also a standing ovation to vet students that came out to attend the AEP meeting. And also a shout out to first year practitioners. I think that for them to not only getting to highlight the students coming in the profession, but still sort of overlapping that into supporting the young practitioners along the way. And the continued focus on sustainability and these young practitioners was nice. I also always enjoyed the Caster News Hour, you know, where sort of you get a little bit of that battle between medicine and surgery and repro. You know, they highlight uh, several studies like they did again. But I like the format. I like the team that was running it. I felt it was a really good pace to it, uh, good humor and great information being presented in a very nice way. So I always enjoy that. I also enjoyed the session on optimizing personal wellness, you know, and including talks from our own Kara Wright, you know, talking about coping strategies for on-call stress, in addition to how to combat decision fatigue. I think there was some good, valuable information there that was very easy to digest and very easy to apply. So I enjoyed that. Like Dwayne said as well, I think the avenues for internships and externships that's sponsored by Merck is a very important session for our profession. And just to see that that's a very active room, that there's a lot of context going on. And that's really a room that it's hard to not to underestimate how that really shapes the career of many, many people. You know, those connections that get made in that room really dictate careers for people. So, you know, always nice to see that going forward. I also agree with Brian on storytelling night. I think he made a good point for it, but also to add to that, you know, that it was the first year that we had female storytellers, you know, and I think that they did a really good job. They really brought some good energy, you know, and some good humor to the room. And it looks like, you know, this is something that's going to move forward, you know, with uh, women telling their stories in practice. And then the last thing that I have, 
is it's hard to not mention an aircraft carrier reception, you know, and an opportunity <laughs> to walk around on one of those massive ships. You know, I thought it was really neat uh, to see how massive and how intricate those ships are. But overall, a good 2023 AEP on my half. Well, that's great. And you mentioned some uh, really interesting sessions and, and things that I think people would would love to see. If you missed it this year, make sure you, you get in touch with it for next year. So, okay. And Dr. Cara Wright, tell us a little about yourself and what did you find inspiring at the convention? Thanks for having us. Um, hey, everybody. My name is Cara Wright, and I am one of the equine professional services veterinarians at Merck Animal Health. I live in the San Francisco Bay Area, um, and I was in private practice for... I guess 12 or 13 years, I, d I don't remember, but it was a quick trip down to San Diego for me for convention. So that was pretty nice. My favorite part of convention, as always, is connecting with friends, colleagues, vet students that I know, and just seeing everybody and checking in. But this year was really special because a lot of my friends are now on committees. They have submitted papers. They were presenting for the first time at AAP, which, you know, is really cool to see. So the first talk I would like to highlight for everybody out there, no matter what your role in practice is, would be to listen to Dr. Jesse Taima, who is a surgeon at Rhinebeck Equine in New York. And she challenged us as a profession to consider our leadership and how we are leading new practitioners, vet students, our staff members, each other, demonstrating humility in our leadership, uh, kind of challenging the status quo. But yeah, I highly recommend checking out that talk to anybody who missed it, for sure. And then um, one of my favorite statistics that got quoted several times um, at a bunch of the sessions that Dr. Schneider mentioned, like the um, sustainability rounds and the, the ER roundtables and all of this stuff, there is a statistic from a paper by Dr. Megan Graves at the University of Tennessee, and she did a retrospective looking at all of the emergency calls that came in to the university over six years and broke it down by species and location. Was it in the hospital? Was it ambulatory? And she found that over six years, 2.6% of equine ambulatory emergency calls came in between the hours of 12 a.m. and 6 a.m. And when I couple that fact with some of the physiologic information and data on biological stressors that I presented in my emergency anxiety paper, I think it is time to have a really big discussion about what kind of emergency coverage veterinarians are expected to provide throughout the middle of the night. There are solutions out there that could lead to more rest and recovery for our veterinarians while still providing that relatively small number of calls that come through on ambulatory, you know, providing them a service while still enabling our veterinarians to feel rested and recovered and ready to come back to work. So that quote, that 2.6% number got mentioned several times this week, and I, I thought that was really cool because... That, that just puts it in perspective, right? You know, people need us all the time, but looking at when they actually need us is really important. I would like to highlight again, Dr. Schneider mentioned it, but the emergency committee toolkits that they've put together are some really good resources for practitioners who are looking for ways to be creative in their emergency coverage. So please go to the AAP website and, and download that. There's definitely resources out there. 
the other sessions that I'm just going to highlight, I feel like I'm continuing to talk here, but David Hall from Genius Vets spoke on Saturday morning about using social media and your online presence. And he had a lot of really good information about best practices on engagement and how to get your clinic information seen. A couple of his fun facts and takeaways, but for sure, if this is something that your practice does, I would definitely go watch the session and take notes. But my favorite thing that he said is that YouTube is a very underutilized resource in vet med, but actually the lower your production value is, the more views you will get. So you don't have to be fancy. You don't have to do all of this stuff. He actually said, you know, Blair Witch style, which I don't know if you guys remember that movie from the late 90s, but it's like a shaky camera for two hours. You know, obviously he was being slightly facetious, but essentially, you know, you don't have to be super fancy to get your stuff out there and get views. A terrifying fact that he shared is that People spend an average of 95 minutes a day on TikTok. So whatever you want to do with that information is great. But if that is a demographic that you um, may be targeting with your practice, that is a place that you should potentially be. And then the, the last thing that I thought was really interesting that is applicable to everybody, even if you are not active on TikTok or YouTube, is that the Google algorithm for search engines is trying to be more weighted toward professionals and universities and experts. So the more links that you have in your, for example, clinic webpage to your doctors and any universities that they went to or papers that they've written, but the more stuff you have that's educational or linked to experts, the higher your website will feature in the search engines. So anyway, that was interesting. Definitely a really important talk for a lot of people. And then briefly, Dr. Becky Tees spoke a lot about how they just revamped the structure of their practice to create some sustainability. And a couple of the things that they do that I thought were pretty groundbreaking. Number one, they give their veterinarians the opportunity to create a wish list of cases. And then and they try to schedule those doctors to have about 60% of their cases of the type of their wish list. So if you've got somebody that enjoys repro, they try to weight that person that way versus, you know, someone who might really enjoy dentistry. And of course, everybody still has to do everything, but that's a really good way to keep people engaged and doing the type of cases that they enjoy. Um, and the other thing that I thought was really interesting, the practice is very transparent about their finances. So they talk about the practice finances at doctor meetings. All of the doctors are aware of their revenue and how things are billed and how that goes, um, which is in, it's important. And I think in order for people to want to make money and support the practice and understand how they get paid, everybody needs to understand that. Uh, but the other thing this practice did that was really interesting is they include their support staff in bonus structures. So support staff gets a quarterly bonus if the practice is doing well. And I thought that was a really nice way to acknowledge the hard work that the entire support staff team does in order to keep the veterinarians moving. So those were my highlights and I appreciate you letting me be here and ramble, but for sure, go check everything out online that we all just talked about because it was all good stuff. One point I meant to highlight, Kim, was uh, for AAP members, sometimes there's a little bit of a challenge finding things on that really large website. And we've talked so much about sustainability and the work that the sustainability subcommittees have done, but you may find a little challenging finding those toolkits. And so let me share a little quick process of how to do that. And it starts by logging in as a member. Once you go to the AAEP website, you've got to first log in as a member to be able to, to find these. And then you'll find a quick link that is described as transforming equine practice resources. 
once you click on that, then you'll be able to get to that array of different materials that have been referenced throughout this conversation and at AEP this year. And you'll find the five subcommittees listed there and a tremendous amount of tools and resources have been put together. We also want to mention, I'm glad you, you mentioned that, Dr. Chapel, because in this past year, in 2023, uh, Dr. Amy Grice and Equimanagement have run a series of articles that have highlighted the work that's been done in these subcommittees. And I am very happy to announce that uh, Merck has decided to uh, sponsor these for 2024 so we can continue to have this information coming out in each issue of the magazine and every month online. So make sure and look for those commission articles to stay up to date with all the work that's being done. And it has been a lot. Well, we certainly appreciate all of you joining us today. You always have such great insights on pre and post. So if you missed the pre one, there was a few things mentioned there that you might want to go to, but we will definitely try and make some link outs to some of the talks that were mentioned here. And we want to thank everyone for in our audience for joining us on this episode of Disease Du Jour. And we look forward to speaking with you all again and try and see what you found enjoyable at the AEP yourselves. Feel free to uh, get in touch with us. And we want to especially thank our 2023 sponsor, Merck Animal Health, who gives us the opportunity to have these discussions twice a month or every other week all year. And we're happy to let you know that Merck will continue this in the future. And I've got to give a Big shout out to Dr. Schneider, who since she's come on board with Merck has uh, kind of babysat us along and helped us make sure we're finding new speakers and people all over the country that really have got some great information to share. And I just want to thank all of you for making the disease du jour such a staple for those who love horse health topics and especially this whole team at Merck who have become not only my business partners, but my friends. And the last little thing I want to say is I am retiring at the end of the year. So I am also retiring as host of this podcast and Carly will be taking over and working with this team to bring you some great disease du jour topics. And I really appreciate all the help that this team has given me and everyone who has appeared on the disease du jour podcast. Like I said, this is episode 124 that we're recording right now. So we thank everyone who has been on here before. And from this, I'm going to turn it over to Carly. Thank you, Kim. I'm very excited to be taking over the podcast next year. And if anyone has any questions or suggestions for Disease Du Jour, feel free to send me an email at ccison at equinenetwork.com. That's C-S-I-S-S-O-N at equinenetwork.com. Mm-hmm.